0: Hello everyone and welcome to Kremlin File. Our special guest today is Maria Avdeva. Hello Maria, how are you? Everything okay?
1: Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, everything is fine in Ukraine when now you have heating and electricity and you're in the safe place, you can tell that you're completely fine. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just so that everybody knows, Maria is a research director at Expert Association. So it's research and analysis and security Info operations and also disinformation. Maria, can you give us an update on what is happening now in Kharkiv? Do you mean
1: the general about the situation in the yeah. city? Yes. 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 So it's already uh, 16 days uh, since the war started, and uh, Russia is uh, changing its tactics a little bit. Uh, so what uh, they do now? It seems like the uh, on-the-ground operation didn't. Uh, Go according to the plan. Uh, so they uh, m- mostly stay, staying and holding the positions they they previously had to get control over. Uh, it means roads uh, to the north and northeast of Kharkiv, and Ukrainian military uh, tries to to do counter uh, offensive, counter op- uh, counter offensive operations over there. Uh, so uh, and uh, that's why uh, Russian troops cannot move further. To, to the city, so they cannot get control over Kharkiv and are not, not able to encircle it. Uh, and that's why they uh, use uh, aviation uh, to bombard the residential areas in Kharkiv, and they use heavy shellings for that. So every day and night you would hear, I live in the close to the city center, so I will hear the distant shellings all around the city, and we'll see the reports coming from the local mm. groups, uh, saying and with the pictures of what happened during this day or during this night, oh. new destroyed houses and uh, people left without their homes. Uh, also, the city center was heavily destroyed. Uh, there was a consequent uh, period when uh, Russian uh, air, air jets were bombarding the city center. Uh, but it is uh, for for the previous. Uh, couple of days they do not do, they do not do that they mostly concentrate on residential areas at the moment so
0: they've they've basically they're attacking the civilians they're mm-hmm. attacking the city right and this is happening all over maria
1: yeah that's that is the the case so it it looks like they do not have enough troops and uh, capacities to attack on, on the ground to, to pursue uh, uh, with the military operation and that is why they uh, attack civilians to threaten to demoralize them and uh, to make people uh, flee and uh, to, to terrorize the civilian population in the city.
2: Wow. Yeah, and they've they- been shifting the tactics to that now. Um, I mean, over the past few days, you see now they're specifically going for civilians, for families, for schools, for hospitals in order to, um, you know, to to demoralize civilians. And how are you holding up? How are you personally doing? How is your family? And also what made you stay? Because there were some people who moved over to Western Ukraine, but you decided you wanted to stay and document everything. And I check your feed on Twitter yeah. every morning to see, you know, your latest pictures, your latest updates. So what made you say and how are you and how's everyone? It's good to know that my work helps. Uh, I asked my family
1: to uh, evacuate from Kharkiv at the beginning, so they are in Ukraine, but uh, uh, in, in more safer place than Kharkiv. It is not safe anymore now in Ukraine, in any city, because of course you know that Lviv-Yavoriv uh, polygon was mm. under attack this night, Ivana-Frankivsk, which is the, the most Western part of Ukraine. Then the central part is also under uh, under attacks uh, uh, regularly. So it's not safe, but then of course it is safer there than it, it would be in Kharkiv. And uh, I was... Um, fighting with Russian disinformation since 2014 when the war initially started, when Russia waged the war uh, at at first time. And uh, since that, uh, I was trying to do uh, my best at revealing Russian tactics and mechanisms and how they were preparing uh, for this war uh, as well, because we have seen for the uh, past half year that they were creating the ground for, for this new new offensive, uh, new aggression. And that is why when the war started, uh, I actually, that day, I, I had the ticket to go to Kyiv on the conference to speak about new wave of Russian disinformation. And uh, when I heard the uh, air sirens and the, 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 the sounds of the shelling and understood that it is now, uh, the war has started. Uh, in, a, in a couple of hours, I uh, crystallized, I became aware that my mission for now uh, should be uh, to reveal uh, Russian war crimes here in Ukraine and to speak about what Russia is doing to innocent cities and civilians, because I saw that at the very moment they started military operation, they, they started the disinformation campaign. It is the most heavy disinformation campaign I have ever seen. So they uh, just uh, completely uh, turn everything upside down, uh, claiming that they do not kill civilians, claiming that they do not attack residential areas, uh, that it is a, some special military operation, the aim of each of which is uh, denazification of Ukraine. And Harkiv, you know, of course, is a Russian speaking city. There is no mm-hmm. one here who should be denazified. So uh, I understood that uh, there should be as many people as possible that give information to the world about what is actually happening on the ground because Russia will invest and is investing many resources uh, in in this disinformation campaign, trying to persuade their own population and the Western community that that is not the war they're waging now, this is military operation, and it's because Ukraine uh, has, uh, has planned to attack Russia. That's what Russian media constantly say, that Ukraine was planning an attack together with the uh, U.S. and uh, other NATO countries, and that's why Russia has to defend itself. So to, to show that this is complete lies, uh, I want to stay here and show everyday pictures of Russian war crimes.
0: Wow. Wow. And, Thank you. I mean, you go out, yeah, exactly. I mean, you go out every morning because I know I watch your videos and I watch, you know, everything. And, and you started, I remember reading one of your tweets, Maria, where you said that, no, you described how it was terrifying uh, to be at home. And, no, you slept out in the, in the hallway. And then in the morning you went out and you were taking pictures and videos of everything, all the the devastation, and everything.
1: Yes, uh, I live in, uh, quite close to the city center, so when the uh, Russian fighter jets dropped bombs on the historical center of Kharkiv, I I could have heard it very clearly. And if you if I peeked out of the window, I I seen that the these explosions all, all, all over uh, all over the city center, and uh, I well actually. Uh, possibility to go out only once a day because uh, all the elevators are not working in the city and i live in the upper floor so it kind of uh, you know takes uh, your time and uh, efforts to get uh, so it to get down it's okay but then to get up it it takes some 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 of your efforts so i usually uh, get out once a day and then uh, i take this time to go to the shop and try to find something to some food because there are food shortages uh, in the city. And of course, the, the, you cannot get uh, med- any medical, uh, um, medical things. The pharmacies are mostly closed as well and at, at that moment when i am outside i try to uh, to film and the video capture videos of as many uh, destructions uh, in the city as possible because uh, i know that there are few international journalists here because it is dangerous to stay in the city mm. and mm. so uh, i know the city very well it's my hometown i know every mm. street here and every building you know is somehow i somehow have some uh, memories about this place so I go there and uh, uh, take videos of what it looks like now uh, and uh, st- stay uh, will planning to stay in Kharkiv as long as possible because uh, it is very hard to predict uh, what will be the next Russian tactics
0: yeah before' oh, go ahead Olga go.
2: um as far as the food situation and the medical situation, we know that um, Russia has been strategically attacking humanitarian corridors. They lie. They set up a ceasefire in order to use terrorist task- tactics, you know, to allow citizens to leave and then start bombing them. What is the situation there? How are is food getting into the city, and how? Um, is Russia doing the same with humanitarian corridors in Kharkiv for people who want to leave? Well, Kharkiv is not blocked at the moment, so there is a
1: possibility to leave the city. They would probably want to blockade it, but it is it, not the case at the moment. But when you leave the city, it is not safe because any any moment you are moving in your car along the road, you can become a target for Russian uh-huh. missiles because they do, do not stop shelling the the city and the roads, of course. So uh, uh, when when the family leaves the city, they do it in their own risk. And also, people use railway station and railway uh, transportation a lot. But then today we've got the report yeah. that one of the trains was under shelling as well. So it's not also the safe way. Uh, but uh, there are many volunteer groups who uh, provide uh, who provide uh, supplies to the city using their own cars. And I'm in contact with some of them and they bring in the city humanitarian aid because we have uh, so many help coming from uh, all our friends throughout the world. But of course for this uh, large city it's not enough and it's uh, the situation so there is no possibility for normal food uh, uh, chain uh, uh, chain supply uh, of food. Uh, So uh, there are some shops and you can find something but of course it's not uh, the situation when you can speak that uh, everything you might need you can find especially there is no possibility to get fresh products like milk and uh, meat and the uh, eggs so the the necessary products for your uh, for your everyday life but then uh, people are not starving it is possible to get some some food uh, for now while uh, so this is the situation in Kharkiv but then there are some small towns outside which are now Mm -hmm. controlled by Russia and the situation there is very critical. So that is humanitarian crisis there at the moment. One of the such cities is is Izum, on the uh, eastern part of uh, Kharkiv region, it is completely blockaded, people cannot leave the city, no no supplies are possible uh, to to the city uh, and the people there have no uh, access to food and um, medicine, so uh, that is Rush What Russia does now, they that is what they are doing in Mariupol and in other cities, they you know, take control over. But Kharkiv uh, is holding good. Uh, the the only difficulty is that uh, it used to be one and a half million city. Many people have mm-hmm. left, but since uh, so it's, uh, anyway, there are many people still in the city. And I have talked to volunteers the uh, people elderly people are in critical situation because they are stuck in their apartment they cannot leave because it is for example it is hard for them to go downstairs and get up and the volunteers try to supply them food just in their houses and apartments. so people help each other people are united but of course it is quite difficult
0: my god Maria, how about the, the volunteer groups that you're talking about? No, this was, I mean, this was the city itself, people in the city that organized? How, how did, how were they working?
1: Yes, people self-organized. I am so surprised. Um, I'm surprised and at the same, I am very proud of how Ukrainians united uh, during this war, uh, because these are uh, people that, are, that decided to stay in Kharkiv, like myself, but for example, I see my role in this information battlefield, but they, uh, they continue doing their uh, volunteering. So they uh, supply uh, food deliveries. They help elderly people. They help to people for evacuate. For example, if a volunteer has a car, he will uh, drive out people mm-hmm. of the city to to the safer place, say to Dnipro, then get some humanitarian aid and bring it back to Kharkiv and then distribute it in the city. And that continues. Uh, and other groups are preparing food, like making uh, food uh, in in big. Uh, um, quantities in their own apartments and then bringing it to the to the shelters because people and those who are who are now uh, whose houses were destroyed uh, and who have no place to go they live in the shelters and in the underground there is no possibility of course to prepare some food there and that volunteers bring there some warm food tea and other necessities
2: my god my god Maria, you mentioned Mariupol. that's something that I've been you know carefully monitoring and for people who don't know, Russia completely encircled the city and blockaded it. Um, we are getting reports besides Russia killing civilians and there. We're getting reports they're going house to house raping women, um, uh, stealing from the stores. Um, the city has what close to 400,000 people. Uh, living in it. How um, have you gotten any updates on that? And, you know, are people inside still able to document what is happening and to get it out so we can eventually prosecute Russia for war crimes?
1: I think that is difficult in Mariupol. So the situation is critical. There people are without any kind of supplies for so long time. And uh, we, we all have seen this uh, awful uh, uh, awful images when uh, the uh, the maternity ward, the maternity hospital was targeted and it's, uh, again, uh, Russia is a continuous shelling the residential areas. People have no heating, uh, no electricity, no food supplies. Uh, we were looking for some people inside Mariupol to get information from there, but uh, what Russia does when they uh, get control over some city, they uh, immediately cut off the network so people won't be able to communicate uh, what is happening to to the outer world, to Ukraine, and that is the case for example in Kherson as well where they try to cut cut off the network. They also target immediately TV uh, networks uh, and uh, TV towers so that the Ukrainian television and channels won't be be available for the people in that area. So, uh, of course, it it is seen as uh, As a complete uh, war against humanity, what is Russia doing in this occupied territory is completely cutting off people out of everything and trying to get control over over uh, there, making them, you know, to, for example, as we see in Kherson, to vote for the so-called republics. Uh, trying to drag this Russian world uh, to to the occupied territories with uh, every means that that are possible. But still, it is uh, good to know that Mariupol is still holding and um, uh, the Ukrainian military and uh, uh, territorial defense units are fighting for the city. So it's not completely... um, uh, uh, so Russia cannot gain control over the city, but uh, I don't know for how much will the city will be able to carry on in this fight, because it's like, you know, uh, blockaded uh, and uh, terrified uh, city.
0: My God. Go ahead, Mo. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking of all these beautiful places, Maria. Um, you know Kharkiv and, and Mariupol, and I'm I've seen a lot of videos, let's say before you know the war, before this this let's say latest attack, because we know that Ukraine you now has been at war uh, for eight years. Can you tell us a little bit about because Kharkiv itself was a city that was extremely vibrant with lots of universities, you know there was a there's also a very strong, um, let's say Russian no heritage, there's a lot of people there that have Russian heritage. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes, uh, Kharkiv was always a a big industrial scientific center and uh, there were many universities inside the city. So it is the second largest city uh, of Ukraine. And uh, it always was, uh, as you have said, very vibrant with many people outside uh, during the evening and daytime. You would see crowds of uh, young people and students and families on the streets uh, in the center, uh, walking. And you know there are, there are, there were many cafes and restaurants where people would uh, spend their time. And uh, it is an intellectual city because uh, many um, many people here are working. In the uh, sphere, in the universities, in the scientific centers, uh, and places uh, where the 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 so-called intellectual elite uh, of Ukraine uh, is uh, is situated. So, uh, and of course. uh, what is striking and what people here in Kharkiv cannot grasp and cannot understand is this uh, unprovoked attack on the city because, uh, as you have said, uh, Kharkiv is a Russian-speaking city and the people here always had some kind of relations with the nearby uh, Russia, because it is only 40 kilometers from, from Kharkiv, so mm-hmm. it is very close. And before the war in 2014, people were traveling and had some connections, some family collect connections. Of course, after the war had started in 2014, uh, it was not the same way anymore. But anyway, uh, people in Kharkiv were never uh, threatening Russia with anything. They uh, always uh, wanted to live in peace with the neighbor, though the neighbor who was attacking Ukraine and occupying Ukraine and Donbas and Crimea, but still no one wanted to, the work to come to our homes because we have seen what happened uh, uh, to to Donbas to. Yeah. Uh, to Lugansk and Donetsk and no one wanted this uh, situation to happen in Kharkiv. There was an attempt by Russia already in 2014 to seize the city uh, because we have seen that they have uh, brought here uh, Russian-speaking people from Russia on the buses with Russian flags who wanted also to organize another republic. It didn't uh, uh, go according to the plan and one of the reasons was because of the uh, People of Kharkiv itself, who are uh, the you know, intellectual uh, heart of, the, of Ukraine, and who didn't want to live in any kind of uh, uh, situation that Russia will uh, will have control uh, oh. over the city, and that is why I think why, why Putin is so furious, and the uh, mm. Russia is, you know trying to destroy the city because they were probably uh, planning and considering that uh, Russian soldiers and troops uh, will not see this such fire as resistance because it is a Russian-speaking city. But no way and uh, no one in Kharkiv, you know, has nothing at the moment, has no other feelings at the moment than uh, people are angry and they cannot understand how uh, how this could be happening and how Russia started this war uh, against the people who speak the same language as, as them.
0: Yeah, it must have been a complete shock when everything started. A complete yes, shock. exactly. Because mm-hmm. they also have probably family as well, no? I mean, just a few kilometers away in Russia exactly one,
1: one one of the of the shot uh, so uh, ukrainian troops shot one of the russian fighter jets and captured the pilot and he was uh, speaking on the camera and he said that his family uh, members uh, live in ukraine and he was asked by the reporters how how on earth could you uh, bombard the uh, cities uh, where your family members live so of course yes people are closely connected and uh, uh, still, there are some some connections, and it is out uh, of of understanding of uh, how this uh, could be happening. And uh, um, well, uh, people here cannot understand that. But I also would like to mention what is important uh, to know that. Uh, you know, I see that's this tendency now in international media that put put uh, mm. that uh, people uh, only blame Putin, so they saying that he is the one who is responsible for everything and Russian people are not aware and probably would like to protest, but they cannot. Well, I don't think that this is the point and then generally, the feeling in Ukraine that uh, people, uh, so Putin was elected uh, and uh, people in Russia support this war. And there are some people who are against, but uh, they cannot go and protest. So generally, it's not only the war from, uh, that Putin wages, but this is a Russian war because all all those who, take part in it who uh kill ukrainians who you uh, know who who are the pilots of the fighter jets dropping bombs on the innocent civilians all those people are also responsible so it's not the responsibility of one person only yeah
0: yeah this
2: maria one... um You spoke about the facilities and I wanted actually I have two questions. One, you spoke about the facilities in Kharkiv and about a week ago, um, Russian military shelled the nuclear facility in Kharkiv, a research facility, which raised alarms but what was even I think more frightening is by that evening in Russian news um, and it started breaking across all Russian news channels Was a defense ministry statement that Ukrainian soldiers and uh, nationalists rigged the facility in order to cause a nuclear attack. That is a complete line. Um, what do you see? Whose control is this center under now? Because we know Russia seized two nuclear power plants already um how is the situation there and do you see does russia have this facility center in their sites what what is happening what is uh, russia russian
1: disinformation aimed at that that they they claim for uh, some period of time already that ukraine has some kind of a nuclear program which is completely Untrue and lie, and that Ukraine is preparing to use a dirty bomb against mm. Russia. So, to, uh, so this is the general narrative. And uh, uh, Russia now uh, is uh, you know, uh, targeting uh, Ukrainian nuclear facilities to give the ground for this narrative, like they would like to show something, uh, some uh, so called evidences of that. And uh, this is, uh, in Kharkiv, we have the Institute of Physics and Technology located very close to the city. It was actually shelled two times. And the second time, which happened uh, uh, several days ago, uh, the Institute was, um, so, so it was uh, destroyed. Uh, the, some of the facilities were destroyed. Uh, the, this, the nuclear uh, facilities are uh, safe, uh, but uh, th- there was some destruction on the territory of the institute, and it is completely um, so. Th- th- it's made for experimental purposes only. We have a big new university with this um, faculty on physics and technology, and students making their uh, so studying there uh, about who studied the these programs. Also, it was used for uh, medical uh, purposes, uh, and uh, they developed the anti. Uh, uh, so the treatment for cancer using the uh, these uh, uh, facilities, nuclear facilities. So, uh, but this is a ex- really very threatening and very worrying trend. So the, the territory is now completely controlled uh, by Ukraine. So Russia didn't get control and is, n- is not in control of the institute, but still it is very close. The institute itself is situated probably no more than 20 kilometers from the border with Russia. And so of course, any moment uh, they can again uh, try to attack uh, the, the Institute uh, and the uh, nuclear facilities. Uh, and uh, what is happening is uh, gives us a sense that uh, Russia actually is preparing some kind of false flag operation that uh, can happen any moment. So they might provoke something or uh, do something and then accuse Ukraine in that because claiming that uh, Ukraine has been uh, researching uh, and was preparing a nuclear bomb, claiming that Ukraine is uh, preparing uh, chemical weapons to use against Russia, and all that sort of things they are coming. So they have one concrete aim, is to accuse Ukraine in some kind of such attack. So that means that Russia any moment can actually Uh, Fulfill this attack and then uh, accuse Ukraine uh, to make uh, this um, so to give grounds uh, for these accusations, and uh, that's why we are here very worried that it can happen any moment and anywhere, because uh, uh, we see also that. uh, Uh, apart from the control over nuclear facilities, uh, it is said that Russia is also trying to get into the Ukrainian territory, uh, the chemical weapons. uh, And that means that uh, they are preparing for that and we should take it very seriously.
2: And for those who don't know, Uh, Russia, when the defense ministry used to come out with these warnings that Syrians are preparing US and um, white helmets Mm -hmm. were preparing chemical attacks on Syrian soil It was actually one did happen and it would be by Assad and Russian forces so I mean they have a history of using the same, you know thing okay yes, exactly
1: using the same playbook as it it was in syria and we're
2: seeing all of the disinformation
0: cutting across all sorts of platforms here in the west okay as well everything that you're talking about maria we also see it reflected all of the no the trolls the russian trolls all of the the in the media and we see it coming cutting across and this has to be pushed back very very hard very very hard olga you have the
2: yeah, um, uh, to wrap up, what do you want the world to know? Yes. Tell us what you want us to do. What can we do more? You know, what can the people do more? What can governments do more? Because, you know, Ukraine has been in war under attack for eight years. And I mean, for the most part, no one paid attention. And now people are paying attention. So now, you know, what is the message? for everyone yes uh, I, I want to thank everyone for for the support because
1: uh, ukraine now feels so that we are united with the world as, as as never before and we see the european countries us canada britain all over countries throughout the world uh, support in Ukraine, but uh, we need more support and we need support from the air for the, for the first place, because that is what Russia uses to terrorize uh, Ukrainians. And this attack on the Yavoriv, uh, uh, on near uh, Lviv, which is only 20 kilometers yeah. from the border with Poland, is a clear sign that Russia is not going to stop in Ukraine. So if the Western community uh, does not stand up firmly with Ukraine on this and does not give uh, more support to defend Ukrainian uh, airspace, it means that Putin will go next to Poland. He will go to Baltic states and he is not going to stop because he is already in the total war against everyone and against the West. And it's not only Ukraine, uh, which Putin is targeting. He is targeting the democracy and the democratic world as a whole. And that is why I would uh, ask uh, all of you to push uh, and to support uh, this Ukrainian uh, demand for uh, uh, anti-aircraft systems, for more uh, aircraft, air defense systems, for fighter jets uh, supply to Ukraine. And uh, uh, also we are in this information warfare and the uh, russia will try and is trying to man- manipulate the mm-hmm. opinions and especially targeting the western communities so please be aware of that and uh, help spread the word about the uh, actual information uh, what is happening here in ukraine because everyone now is a target for russian malign information influence and only together and united we can, uh, we can defend our, our world and generally uh, our societies uh, against uh, this uh, disinformation.
0: And we're with you, Maria. We're with thank, you, thank and you. You. Thank thank you and all of Ukraine.
2: Thank you so much. And lastly, Maria, where can people find your work and where can they yeah. follow you and where can they find your work?
1: I'm mostly uh, so I put most uh, of uh, what I uh, of my videos on Twitter so you can follow there try uh, to put as as much information there as possible and also not only my videos but general uh, analysis of the information
2: uh, on Ukraine
0: okay great thank you thank you you.
2: thank you so much for joining us please stay safe and thank you we are here with you. you
1: Thank you yeah. for, for this great possibility. I really appreciate any moment I can tell people about the situation in Ukraine. And uh, I, I, it's really very important for me and for Ukrainians generally. Thank you so much.
2: Please follow Maria at, on Twitter, at Maria, M-A-R-I-A um, underscore A V D V. And this is where she posts her research and her latest videos and updates of everything that is happening in Ukraine. Hey
0: everybody, if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please visit our website, Kremlinfile.com. This is a Bunker Crew Media Production, hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monica Mara, with executive producers Marley Clements, Jack Bryan, Grant De Simone, Ben Brett, and Geordie Mycellus of Midas Media with associate producers Ruby Frankel and Sarah Metz. Theme music by Oreste Camarra. Sound editing and mixing by Joy Ellett. Subscribe to Kremlin File wherever you listen to podcasts.